Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in. Welcome back. Saturday Suckage, hour two... Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. We'll be here till 2 o'clock, and we have news and updates and stuff like that. So we apparently have a guest list, Mark. And really? this hour, yeah, yeah. Jim Margallis of Sox Machine will join us at 12.40, and we'll talk about that flame out. And at 1.20, Nancy Armour, one of our favorite guests and a Trash Panda fan like we are, uh, she will be here at 1.20. Uh, I wanted her to come on to talk about a column she wrote this week about Mitch Trubisky, and he shouldn't be the only one getting fired. I like having people on who agree with me, and Nancy agrees with me, so we're going to go from there. <laughs> so I got, I got, I want to get before we get into as we get into discussing tomorrow's football game. And by the way, Spilkis confirmed what I thought was going to happen. <clears throat> so while your your kickoff for Bears. Colt is now 325 on CBS on the score. Uh, the pregame show will be, well, it's actually on WBBM. The pregame show on WBBM starts, I think, in four minutes. But the, <laughs> the score's pregame show, the score Bet Rivers pregame show, kicks off at noon for the 325 start. Habarkas, Sholan Krutz, Patrick Manley, and you, Mark Grody among others. So listen live at 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Get the latest on the inactives, the keys to the game, all the Bears news. And the Bears news last week was Mitch Trubisky got benched because he sucks. He got pulled out of the game. And afterwards, he talked with the media. So Adam Johns of The Athletic tweeted, kudos to Mitch Trubisky for talking to the media. This can't be easy for him which prompted a retweet from T.J. Lang, former Packers and Lions lineman, who's a great follow. And he retweeted, all right, calm down. We aren't talking about Tom Brady losing his job. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Boom! All right, so it's, Nick hey, Foles, In our Nick, little world, it was monumental. Maybe not naturally. <laughs> all right, so what do you think this means as the Bears prepare to face really their first, arguably their first good defense. The Colts lead the NFL in total defense, 225.3 yards a game. They lead in passing yards, 132 per game. 
and interceptions. They picked off six. They're also allowing a league low 5.3 yards per pass play. So, new quarterback, maybe more of the playbook available. Maybe he can make stuff up the way Jimmy Graham said. We have that play? No, he just made that up, Jimmy Graham. So, Mark, what do you expect? What have you gathered? What do you think? Where does this go against, it's sort of what feels like a, the first real game. Well, this couldn't be, there couldn't be a better time for Nick Foles, but, and for a lot of reasons, I get it, but in specifically this secondary, because you mentioned the picks, and last week they happened to have against the Jets a couple of pick sixes. So you would have had, if it had been Mitchell Trubisky, you would have had a secondary that was preying on Trubisky. And of course, they are still hoping to do the same thing to Nick Foles, but Foles is a different animal in terms of his ability to read defenses and to adjust offenses. So that is crucially important. It should be pointed out that just like the Bears, the Colts have not seen great competition this year. Their wins have been against mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Minnesota, and the Jets. So, you know, take that into consideration in whatever quantifiable way you would like. So I think th- this is the perfect week to have Nick Foles starting a game for the Chicago Bears. I think you will see a completely different playbook from Matt Nagy, no matter how much they tried to downplay it. And I think part of that, too, is that he is without one of those weapons in Tariq Cohn to be running the football a little bit more. The area that I, again, for a second straight week that I might be more worried about is the Bears' defense and their ability to stop the run, which they did not do last week against Atlanta, against old Todd Gurley and the 35-yard run from... Turner, was it? I don't even remember his name now. Um, but they gave 144 yards, and now you're playing a, a, a really sturdy offensive line with Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly and Anthony Costanzo. So beware of that once again. Again, that's the part that I zero in on. Good old-fashioned stop the run from the defensive perspective. Now, that's a really Good point. And the, the difference between the Bears' pass defense and run defense, again, it, it they did face, you know, Matthew Stafford was right there, and it, that game easily could have been a, a Lions win if if the rookie holds on to the ball. And you're talking about the the Bears have not won going away really in, in any – they've not convinced you of anything here that that against bad teams. And the point about the Colts playing bad teams, especially the Jets, boy, Adam Gase is just – what a what – a, toilet that needs to be flushed that thing is the bears defense is ranked third on third down and third in the red zone and second in opposing passer rating it's all really good but the bears defense against the run as you say this is really <clears throat> odd they're 17th versus the run they've allowed 119 yards per game 27th in yards per carry 4.96 so almost five yards per carry facing relics todd Gurley and adrian peterson and having those guys run through them. But at the same time, the Colts offense, they're like a horrible third down percentage. It's, I guess something's got to give when all this crappiness meets, but it's, it's a, it's a curious thing. And it's much like figuring out baseball. We talked about this last week. How do you know who's good or what's good or what isn't? So is the bears run defense, that bad because old guys are running through it and we know that for sure no matter the quality the competition is that eddie goldman missing and not finding that big body there or is that 
I don't know. And and what will Khalil Mack's questionable status do for their all-around defense? There's just a lot of things I'm unsure of. I guess that's why we're going to watch the game. Yeah, man. And then it's then the other part is is it is it the ramp up? Is this the fourth preseason game of the year? Do mm. we buy into all of that stuff? And it almost just seems like it's a bullet point list of things that we don't take too seriously. There's I don't. I mean, I throw it in there as one of the things for all of these NFL teams, whether it's injuries or ineffectiveness on defense, as a lot of defenses are seeing around the NFL because of the lack of preseason games. I mean, you're right. Nobody knows. The good news for the Bears is that everybody knows that the players know. Hell, the players know that it's a 3-0 start that hasn't looked particularly sharp. And that puts you in a, in a great place to make yourself better when you have this home game against Jacksonville, but then it, or Jacksonville against Indianapolis. But then it gets it really gets tricky after that because then you have the fast turnaround Thursday night against Tom Brady. Well. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that will happen. Um, against Tom Brady and the Tampa, I was going to say the Patriots, Tom Brady and the Tampa <laughs> Bay Buccaneers. That's why, I, like, my brain just got confused, and I was thinking cancellations I'm, and COVID. I'm and you, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, right. I'm sorry. I think we're all, I think we're all allowed five or six mistakes on Tom Brady this year. Um, you know, and then you go, then you're at Carolina, then you're at the Rams, and then you're home against New Orleans. So you, you have, you're gonna, we're going to find out a little bit about the Bears over the next few weeks. I think is is my point, and maybe some of that starts to to shape up. But they, I mean, the run defense has just been alarming, man. Like like I understand a few pops here and there where you're going to give up some stuff. You're not going to be perfect. But one thing I always expected the Bears defense to do, no matter what, was to be pretty consistent against the run, and they've been anything but that so far this year. Uh, we got a text here. Our text line number, the, the text zone, is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. The text line number, 312-644-6767. Same as our phone number, that remarkably, we had two breaking phone calls last hour. We got a text here um, that I guess Mitch Rosen needs to know about, or maybe Jordan Malley, our, our new producer. We brought in the reliever early. We we only let Trash Panda pitch one hour. So, He's Dane Dunning. Yeah, he is. He's, we pull him out. Um, that the Radio.com app is playing the national stream, not 670. Is that true? Do we know that? I don't know. I'm, I'm listening. What? But it, it maybe the radio.com app knows suckage when it hears it and says, yeah. well, we, just, <laughs> we just can't do that. And I know that I know the 708 texts are thrilled by that. Um, so there you go. Well, that's not good. We suck so you don't have to. And apparently the radio.com app is, has figured out a, a way around that. So what do you think? What do you think this does, if anything? In case you haven't heard, the Bears game was moved to 325. It bears Colts 325 because Patriots Chiefs has been postponed till at least Monday, maybe Tuesday. Who knows when? Because Cam Newton was te- Cam Newton tested positive for COVID-19. They're testing other Patriots. The Patriots have not were expected to leave today. Will not, and they're everybody's on hold. Every club, both clubs are going through all of this. Well, all the clubs are actually going through it. It's just this is more acute now with them. So does a game change mean anything? Do you get a sense of, I mean, maybe if the weather's worse, does that, a texture suggests 
that should help the Bears' run defense. I, I don't know. What do you think? Wow, I hadn't even really gone that deeply in my brain about that. Pot. I guess the only thing that I thought of was that if anything, and this is minutia, it's three hours later when you have a turnaround this week to where you're playing a Thursday game. So I, <laughs> I don't know if that like if hours makes oh. a difference in a week okay. where you have only a, really what one or two days to prepare, one a day in earnest, and then three extra hours. I I don't know if that means anything, but I guess that's the only thing that I thought of. But yeah, I guess it would be fair to see what the you know if the temperatures go lower or if there's any precip in the area. I'm not sure. I hadn't really thought of that. All that's right, a well, gambling. Yeah. That's a gambler's brain right there. Whoever thought yeah. up that one. It is. Well, we have response from the the tech zone. Uh, everybody seems to be listening on the screen, and I got a text message from from Chris Bogosian of my former Chicago Tribune. Um, one of the all-time great editors says he's listening on the radio.com app, and we appreciate that. And his head is filled with suckage, and I'll bet his sports editor, my former queen, Amanda Kashubi is going to lecture him about that because she doesn't need his head turning to meringue listening to the show. Uh, several other people are listening on the stream and suggest you in the 414 have user error. So I, I don't know. We can't, we can't help you out. We can't even help ourselves. So we can't help you out. And I think the Bears were working on Tampa Bay two weeks ago, cutting up film looking at all that stuff, figuring out what they were going to do, watching it as they, they went as the as the Bucks went along. They don't leave it for just this week. They were getting in somehow. And you led me to believe, because I never met a conspiracy I didn't want to embrace, that remember how we knew that when Mike Lennon sucked, one of, I mean, just as part of the succession of Ryan Pace idiocies when choosing quarterbacks and the reason for which he should be gone and now if not last week. But when Mike Lennon sucked and we knew a change had to be made, everybody pointed to the Glennon would spend a month, but Trubisky would get a month of playing, of, of looking at what happens in the real season and then come in and it was that Vikings game and it happened to be after a bye. Would it have been planned way back when Nick, Nick Foles was clearly the quarterback Matt Nagy wanted? but they, they had to give Mitch one more chance to try to salvage the GM's hair and always had planned this because Nick Foles would be much more reliable on a shorter week, no matter what kind of defense he was going to wow. see. Wow. That's deep, man. I mean, you're going deep there. Hey, I mean, you I'm know, a good, to... a good conspiracy needs several, several sets of stairs <laughs> and... Whether you're going up, down, or sideways, whether whatever, whether it's an M.C. Escher drawing, it could bring you yeah. right back to where you started. But wouldn't that make sense if you were, if you're Matt Nagy and you know Trubisky's a dog, you can't teach this guy. He can't learn at the NFL level. You need somebody you can trust, and you need somebody who really is a master of all coverages and releases the ball quickly. This is what I see. This is what I don't. Boom, gone. That you know on a short week that's even more acute well Foles have been the guy you would want before that tampa game anyways especially because it's a conference game and that's a a tiebreaker quicker than playing again a tiebreaker more important than playing a an afc team at home like they are tomorrow 
I'm going to study that conspiracy, and I might even subscribe <laughs> to it and believe in it eventually. But what what I will give you, what I think is real now, is that the Trubisky starting the season. I think that there was a big a big part of it was that yes, Trubisky is very capable of beating the Detroit Lions. He is very capable of beating the New York Giants, and they probably were like a little hesitant Atlanta. They're probably like, we think he might be able to beat Atlanta, but I'm not sure. Mm. And it played out that way, that it was, okay, this is the game. You know, we, we know we know he can, we know Detroit and the Giants are bad. Atlanta is better, even though they have sucked this year. We know that they're a more talented team than the Giants and Detroit, and that was the game in which he was yanked. So I can't give you full conspiracy theory, but I can subscribe to the idea that a thing that a lot of people are saying, it's not my original thought, um, although it should have gone through everybody's brain, that yes, Trubisky's record against Detroit was what it was, and the Giants are bad, so he can win those two games. Atlanta was the first game, I think, that was clearly circled, and the second things went badly. Matt Nagy was like, all right, time for Nick Foles. Yeah, I, I think it was in time for facing what, what might have been a, a legitimate team. We've had enough of him, and you just almost as though he was waiting for the interception. I don't think Matt Nagy is frustrated. They're three and zero. I think he loves that they got they stole a three and zero record with a sure. quarterback he did not want to coach, but had to go through the motions, and and now he's got the quarterback he wants. He's got more of his playbook to use. He doesn't have to go through the frustration of teaching a guy who cannot be taught, and when going through it on a short week, he doesn't have to worry that the quarterback's not going to see the guy. He's not going to read what he needs to read. He's got a quarterback who knows what to look for and knows what he's seeing. So Well, and and he could also look himself in the mirror, I think, Matt Nagy, and say that they gave it maximum effort, like on Trubisky. It's not like they were going through the motions in those first two years. Like, it was all 100% about Mitch Trubisky and making him better, doing everything possible. Number one quarterback with a bullet up until this year, and they had to they had to turn it down this year. And, like, this is, uh, as much as you, it's easy to say that Matt Nagy wanted Foles in there, and he probably did, it still does not look good on Nagy's resume that he was not able to make Trubisky good for this team. That that a an offensive guru, a quarterback's guy, it, it he he had to be stressed out over this as well. And I don't know if anybody could have made Trubisky into what he was supposed to be. But my point is is that Matt Nagy wanted Trubisky to be good and wanted him to be the starting quarterback this year for the team until he couldn't be. And he knew it wasn't going to happen. In his heart of hearts, he knew that he couldn't. He was not going to be able to get through to him the way he got through to Patrick Mahomes. And and he just knew that, that the learning the learning curve was never going to happen. And you can just see, uh, you just line up another reason to fire Ryan Pace. You can't get the right position, the most important position right. You can't do that right. You can't be a GM in this league. Sorry. I don't care how good your hair is, you cannot be a GM in this league. Um, I don't think it's going to do anything to to the Bears' perception, the Bears' belief. The Bears just don't move like that. But when you've screwed up that position the way Ryan Pace has, you don't deserve to get to make any more decisions. By the way, 
our text line, this is quite the fallout, quite the the explosion on just mentioning the radio.com app. And we had people saying the app is working just fine. 813 on the text line, the text line brought to you by Rose and Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at roseandhyundai.com. I'm in Tampa. I can hear the suckage. But that happened to me on Sunday when I was trying to listen to the Bears post post as I wrote this switch to the national feed for three seconds, weird. And the 260, whoa, the stream just switched to the national feed for a few seconds and then right back to suckage. Tell Trash Panda to quit fiddling with the dials. <laughs> and Trash Panda's <laughs> yeah. gone. Jordan Malley is in trying to fiddle with the dials. 941, and here you go. Here's Saturday Suckage at its best. I have you on the stream, and sorry I do. And then, yeah, sorry. someone who's inducted inducted into the Saturday Suckage Hall of Fame, the 414 texter who started all this, sorry, my bad. The app was not on live for some reason. <laughs> all right, we'll take a break. I have another question for you about the Bears and their game plan coming up. Later on this hour, we'll talk White Sox with Jim Margallis of Sox Machine. But we'll talk some bears next and an important, what I think may be an important decision. Get Mark's thoughts on it. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenman. We are Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. And if we don't, then our stream does. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Business-like approach. Is there a real dog inside of Mitch Trubisky right now? There is. There, there definitely is. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Okay, whatever that was. Jordan Malley, what was that? That was Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I know, but who was asking a real dog inside there? That was Good Morning Football asking Trubisky if he feels like there's a dog inside of him. Oh, my God. Okay, so (laughs) they've jumped the shark. They're out of football questions. Because, really, if you have Mitch Trubisky on, you're out of football players. So I guess I understand that. 708 texter, given our recent issues and discussions here. Guys, you actively advocate for your audience to smoke weed while listening. Are we surprised that these people are having technical issues? <laughs> no, we are not. We are not. That, that is it. Okay. Welcome oh. back to Saturday Suckage. Um, so here's my question. If you haven't heard, here's what happened. The way the morning has preceded. Uh, I, I saw from Ian Rappaport. He texted that he tweeted that um, Cam Newton tested positive for COVID-19. He would be he was on the COVID-19 reserve list. He would not play. That has ramifications. The Patriots were not allowed to get on a plane. Further testing was done. The league was involved. Adam Schefter reported the game against the Chiefs. The much anticipated game, the after Sunday afternoon game was going to be postponed maybe to Monday maybe to Tuesday at all pending further tests in the absence of Patriots Chiefs you will get a change in the Bears game it has been moved to that window the the, uh, Colts come in here against the Bears it will be uh, on WBBM 780 AM the game kickoff is 325 the pregame show I think starts Mark Right after our show ends at 2 o'clock today, 
on actually, WBBM. Actually, I just I've just been told it's it started. It's actually it's, on right it now. It has started. Yeah. The yep. scores, Bet Rivers pregame show, that kicks off now at noon. Habarka, Sholin Krutz, Patrick Manley, and you, Mark Grody, will be among the many people brought in to that show. Listen live on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Get the latest on inactives, the keys to the game, all the Bears news. So here, here is what might or might not be a key to the game, and maybe not immediately, but as the season plays out. Tariq Cohen's injury. Mark, does that make David Montgomery a three-down back, more of a pass-catching back as, as much as a running back? Is it's, it's something they didn't do a lot last year. They didn't do much of anything with Montgomery. And Matt, Matt Nagy had to be forced to admit that running the ball was something that even Andy Reid did in the Super Bowl and throughout the playoffs. So can he catch the screen? Nick Foles does that well. It needs to be a big part of the of the Bears' offense, a bigger part than we've seen. Where does David Montgomery's pass-catching ability figure into the Bears' offense going forward? Well, yes, he can, and yes, he's going to have to. I mean, we already saw it once with that improvised bailout play that Trubisky made to him in the middle of the field, and then Montgomery pushed into the end zone down the center of the field at one point in time. So Montgomery can do that. It's a part of what they liked about him coming out of Iowa State, and that's the answer. Like Everybody said, what are they going to do without Tariq Cohen this week? It's going to be more of what they have, and what they have is David Montgomery and Cordero Patterson. And, yeah, Artavis Pierce is going to be there. I don't expect him to be a big part of things. They don't seem to want to use Ryan Nall much out of the backfield. So – I think there's going to be a lot more of David Montgomery. The other part that is affected by Tariq Cohen not being there and what is kind of a mystery still is who's going to be returning punts this week. We saw Anthony Miller become the immediate replacement part in that regard, so it could be him. It could be Ted Ginn Jr. I threw out as a wild card and I actually asked Cordero Patterson about it on Zoom this week. Maybe it'll be Cordero Patterson. And he, he, of course, his stock answer for everything is, I'll do whatever they tell me to do. So mm-hmm. that that's probably not going to happen, but I don't rule anything out. And then, of course, Cordero Patterson injected Javon Wims into the conversation as well. And I don't know if that was real at all, but, uh, but we shall see. So, yeah, there, there's a few effective areas because of Tariq Cohen's absence. Yeah, he's not. I'm. I'm. I, I felt bad for the guy. I have no idea what the recovery will be like, and 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 it's a it's a big part of the the Bears to lose. But I also wonder if it if the fact that it removes one of the one of the pretty shiny things that Matt Nagy loves to to play with sometimes yeah. at the expense of really a complete game plan, because I'm not sure he. He doesn't always want to just, oh, I got this play with this guy. I will watch this. Oh, it didn't work. You know, it, it, it's not part of setting somebody up necessarily. Do you, do you see that part changing, his game calling changing, because he's got to be a little more conventional than he had been with one fewer talented gimmick, but a, a gadget nonetheless in Tariq Cohen? Yeah, however... This goes back to the the Nick Foles aspect of this, that now Matt Nagy can probably run more of his plays. And, yeah, 
What Tariq Cohen represented was not a great player yet this year, not like he was in 2018, Mm -hmm. but a guy who has the potential at any point in time of hitting a home run in a game and using his speed. He's one of just a few players on the Bears who does have that capability, even if the, the... the amount that he has done that has diminished to some degree. Now, now that he has, who knows what what Nick Foles brings in terms of that, and what Matt Nagy might have up his sleeve. We have seen him, like I don't know. I'm I'm just thinking. I don't know if trick play is the right word or gadget, but they are really using Jimmy Graham a lot for a lot more than than I thought they would, and it's been pretty effective. And it all makes sense because when they signed Trey Burton back in 2018, that's where the offense was supposed to go, right? Like mm-hmm. he was the the U tight end that was going to do everything and just, hey, man, if that position was effective, then just look out. Um, I wonder what Matt Nagy might have up his sleeve this week because we haven't really seen him gadgeting since 2018. I wonder if something something creative will come up, and that doesn't have to be somebody like Tariq Cohen. It could, in essence, be anybody. And I don't know, for some reason, I'm just thinking about Jimmy Graham. Yeah, and uh, Nick Foles was the quarterback when they called the Philly special against Bill Belichick's Patriots team in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I guess that, that all things are possible. Be interesting. Uh, maybe it... Maybe it will make them tougher to coach against when the game's going on. As we talked earlier, coaching against the scripting, watching the scripting, going, oh, my God, look at that. Ooh, wow. And, and, and you think of the unpredictability, but then suddenly it gets bogged down in real life when you're making calls in real life. You need to be able to know, understand the game that's in front of you. And that may be – maybe Matt Nagy has – more faith in doing that that whatever he calls the quarterback can get him out of it if he needs to and know the right read I th- he has to believe that about Nick Foles doesn't he yeah absolutely absolutely and he talked about the improvising and the ad-libbing and that this is going to be it's Matt Nagy calling the plays but everything is a lot more controlled in there by Nick Foles and now I'm thinking too like while I'm getting into the the trickery or gadget I said to Jimmy Graham, but how about Cordero Patterson for something interesting tomorrow? I don't know if that's throwing a pass. I don't know if that's a you know a some sort of outside run, but something. I just bet you in that game tomorrow, you're going to see something Matt Nagy 2018-esque. All right, let's mark that tape and we'll yeah. bring we'll bring a mark marks tape and we'll bring that back next week, whether it's yes. right or wrong. And Congratulations to the audience getting to, to hear me think out loud. Uh, this is a great moment for the audience. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. And the three one two typically Rosie, does smoking weed make you guys sound better? If so, I haven't smoked nearly enough. Okay. Well, you will need to smoke some if you're a White Sox fan and you just saw what your White Sox did and how they flamed out in a big way and there was enough choking blame to go around. And we will see what Jim Margallis of the Sox Machine thinks about all the choking blame to go around. We'll take a break and he will be our guest after that. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Saturday Suckage with you. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. First two innings, we gave it away. You know, I, I, I'm upset about it because we understand all hands on deck, but you cannot warm up your bullpen after the first batter. 
I mean, that, that instills no confidence throughout your lineup, throughout your pitching staff. This was a, a team that have scored so many runs. You can't say we're not going to score today. That's what it sounds like. We're not going to score today. Um, it was just ugly. It was a disaster. And uh, one in three, nothing. This team, misuse of the bullpen early, caused us not to hold a lead later on in the ballgame. So um, just, an, just an ugly game. It was a disastrous show. Uh, this team deserved better because of the way they played this year. There's no other nice way to put this. That's the big hurt. Wearing his big hurt on his shoulder and on the post-game show on Chicago Sports. Or, oh, what is that damn place? NBC called? Sports Chicago. That too, yeah. Yeah. Comcast, Sports Vision, whatever it is. That's so many damn names. <laughs> Anyways, that was uh, Frank Thomas talking about it. And, um, and he was angry. You went to the bullpen in a bullpen game. I, I don't get it, Frank. Connect the dots. It's a bullpen game. That's the way you were going to go. Your manager might have been ill-equipped to manage a bullpen game, but it was determined it was going to be a bullpen game. You're going to go to the bullpen. That's how he was going to make sure it didn't get out of hand. So we'll see what another member of Sox Nation thought. We'll go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, and we'll welcome back to the show from Sox Machine, Jim Margallis. Jim, thanks for coming on today. Oh, thanks for asking me. Sorry, it's under these circumstances. Yeah, we are too. We would have liked to see if they won game one with Giolito, and then they brought in Dallas Keuchel and, and, and to pitch game two. And like, wow, that's a game Keuchel was brought in to pitch. That's why he's here. Oops. And then your presumptive MVP has two of his worst at-bats with a game on the line in games two and three, and they still haven't won since then. And the manager manages a bullpen game and as best as I can see the only mistake he made was he didn't learn from his Carlos Rodon mistake there was a lot of choking to go around and yet your season wrap-up seemed seemed detached seemed rather measured which surprised me in the wake of of the build-up we had so share with the class what you wrote and why you wrote it Well, I, I think detached and measured is my brand. Uh, uh, I think I've been doing this for 15 years. If I think uh, if I let the White Sox really affect my blood pressure, I think I would have quit after 2007 or something like that. So it's it's been a long time, and I've I've learned to adjust my life accordingly. But basically, you know, I try to keep a big picture on things when it comes to just the preseason expectations and what they had to deal with at the time, and then how it ended up. And so the White Sox were projected to be a third place team behind Minnesota and Cleveland. It was agonizing how they got there, but they finished in third place behind Minnesota and Cleveland. They beat their projections, so that's pretty good. And then, like, the pitching staff just was, uh, you know, the rotation really thinned out after Giolito and Keuchel couldn't really afford a Keuchel dud uh, like they got in Game 2. And so when Game 3 comes around and their best pitching option is a guy they just drafted, uh, that's that internally just uh, forces me to lower my expectations almost naturally and just think, you know, at the end of the game, like even before the game started, I'd be thinking – well, the White Sox you know, drafted a guy in, in June, and now all of a sudden he's pitching in a do-or-die game. How well is this supposed to go? So the fact that they were in a position to win it halfway through and actually, you know, uh, you know beyond the pitching failures and the bullpen issues and everything like that, they still could have won the game. Uh, the offense also went three for 14, I think, with runners in scoring position, uh, blew a couple chances late. So they could have bailed the pitching out. It was a organization-wide failure, and I'd even extend it to the front office because – 
the White Sox were start on shorters in the trade deadline and could have used an extra fresh arm in the bullpen. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily a guarantee that it would have worked out because Mike Clevenger was the big guy uh, at the deadline and San Diego couldn't include him on the postseason roster because of injury and the Phillies upgraded their bullpen and their bullpen got even worse somehow. So there's really no, uh, in, in this kind of weird season, there's really no guarantee that any moves to upgrade the team would have actually upgraded the team. So that's why I, I think, you know, to use a phrase that is very popular in postgame uh, press conferences, it kind of is what it is. And I, I have to say, man, I you brought up Derek Crochet and the fact that that's not necessarily ideal to have had him playing, you know, a, a fairly large part to, down the stretch of the season. I, I loved it. I loved that he came in. I loved what he did when he was in there until he got hurt. I loved seeing mm-hmm. 102. That To me, that was thrilling. The part that I definitely agree with you on, though, um, is, well, I don't know if you said this. I'll say this. I, I am uncomfortable blaming Ricky Renteria for the way things went down in terms of using the pitching staff, putting in Carlos Rodon, that whole breakdown, because I do not believe that Rick Hahn and Don Cooper and whomever else was part of the the huddle from the front office was not a big part of that as well, that there's no way they make Carlos Rodon disposable or usable for that game the other day. Um, if that doesn't go through Rick Confer. So I don't know. I, I don't know where you stand with Ricky Renteria, but I think that this is a collective in terms of whatever you want to call a failure for the season. Well, I think it helps provide some context that in game three of the wildcard series between the Padres and Cardinals, the Padres shut out the Cardinals using nine pitchers and making three mid-inning pitching changes in the first five innings. Like that's the kind of uh, situation where you could think like a manager is being overactive and, maybe uh, causing some panic or, or, or stoking uncertainty or not thinking his offense can score runs, but it worked out because the pitchers threw strikes. So I think, yeah. you know, in a large part, when it comes to a bullpen game, the pitchers dictate how smart the manager looks. I mean, that's probably the case in all things, but, you know, given that the manager has such an active role in a bullpen game, you know, it's probably pro- probably exacerbated there. So that's a case where, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to just try to judge the process I think the idea was, you know, Crochet and Dunning through three. And then when Crochet got hurt, uh, they needed somebody just to uh, put out the fire, calm the game down, and nobody could. I mean, Bummer hasn't looked quite the same after his injury. You know, he's been okay, but not just his dominant form. Hoyer hadn't given up a run all September, so you had to expect something would occasionally go wrong for him. It just happened to go wrong at the wrong time. Uh, yeah, the Rodon one is the only one where I think there was just something bubbled up to the surface saying that uh, – uh, they're a little bit in over their heads, partially just because of all the other failure that built up, just because there was that weird mid-at-bat pitching mound visit that Renteria made to talk to Rodon, and I'm not sure what that was about. I, I didn't see it discussed anywhere in the media uh, press conferences afterwards, but that was such a weird time to go out to visit him and just say, like, I don't know if he's saying this is your batter, we're going to intentionally walk the guy after you if you don't get him, but it didn't work, and, and just ex- yeah, I guess it just showed just the uh, lack of confidence they had in Rodon from the start. So to have him in, in such a crucial situation, that didn't really help. And then Matt Foster comes in looks like a rookie for the first time in his life. Yeah. So just, you know, uh, a bunch of failure in different directions. I do think the Rodon was just, uh, you know, based on, you know, how he looked when he made his first appearance, you know, that, that certainly uh, foreshadowed this kind of outing. But then also the mid-inning mound visit was also one where it just seemed like that, that maybe indicated that Renteria didn't have a whole lot of confidence in the move in the first place. 
We're talking with Jim Margalis, SoxMachine.com, talking about the end of the White Sox season. And, and you brought up the, the Padres making Jace Tingler look like Ricky Renteria would have hoped to have looked. It had never happened in modern baseball that nine members throw scoreless baseball. Nine pitchers, the most, the, the greatest number of pitchers used in a nine-inning game on a combined shutout. That just that that's when the manager looks great. It only takes one guy to mess up. And by the way, Jim, kudos on using the phrase "soggy bottom," stealing from the great British Bake Off. Soggy bottom in talking about what happened there. But as you watch, bring up the Padres by comparison. We spent a lot of time t- comparing the White Sox this year to the 2015 Cubs, but the Padres are that team, and here they come. And they did it with a bullpen that was indefatigable and unbelievable. And they did it with Fernando Tatis Jr., which has to rankle White Sox fans. And if that doesn't, Mm -hmm. then there's Manny Machado, the free agent on whom the White Sox front office spit the bit. Does what watching the Padres do what they do make a White Sox fan angry, frustrated, or, or in any way you more than you needed to be at this point or don't you do you pay that no attention i think you can't help but pay it some attention because even if you don't watch the padres just the amount of viral clips coming out of fernando tatis jr uh you know whether it's uh, mlb pushing out whether it's just fans getting you know who aren't padres fans getting excited about it whether it's herb lawrence doing it <laughs> you can't escape just the the Padres exposure. So uh, even if you try to say like that was years ago, it's a different era. You know, you you can't really avoid it. And it it does stick in your craw a little bit. It's uh, when it comes to Machado, I think, um, you know, I think there are some White Sox fans who wanted to see Machado kind of crash and burn with San Diego just to prove it was a bad idea. For me, it was kind of the other way. I think I wanted to see Machado look like Manny Machado in San Diego, just because I don't think it does the White Sox any favors if they, make the pursuit they did for eight years and $250 million and he looks miserable. Like that would just kind of fit in all the other White Sox free agent acquisitions they've had, like Dunn, LaRoche, Keppinger, et cetera, except this is costing $250 million. So I think I I would rather see the talent evaluation be backed up by the performance rather than, you know, consider the White Sox lucky they avoided it. And I'm hoping, you know, as – you know, this, this uh, rebuild takes hold with the White Sox. And as they, you know, they have something to build off of a, a postseason experience and Luis Robert and Nick Madrigal looking the way they looked and, 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 and Giolito and Anderson uh, backing up their breakout seasons that, you know, hopefully the White Sox keep, you know, addressing problems aggressively. Like I think Grandal uh, looking more like it, like, you know, he basically looked like the guy he was supposed to look like for better or for worse. Keuchel, uh, you know, aside from his uh, start in postseason, was the guy they wanted to acquire. So, you know, those are the the two big ticket acquisitions. So, I would hope that would give the White Sox confidence to consider, like, you know, looking at right field next year, looking at uh, adding a pitcher to back up Giolito and, and Keuchel, that they continue to look for those, you know, high, you know, like, you know, eighty to hundred million dollar contracts or even beyond for that, just because it seems like when they want to put their money to something, they're not wrong in doing so it's just they have to be able to close the deal and they weren't able to close the deal with Machado they were able to do it with Grandal and Keuchel and I think uh, they should continue on the path because they have all this young cost-controlled talent that's kind of what you do it for 
Yeah, and this brings me full circle because, yeah, you've got all those guys on the come. You've got some obvious areas that you could tighten up next year, right field, um, designated hitter, all of that. But that brings me full circle to the manager again. Do you want to see Ricky Renteria managing this team next year and going forward? Like, is he the ideal guy to be managing this team when the White Sox are ideally in a World Series? Well, here's the uh, the, the question, and it brings me back to the whole measured <laughs> brand and such. Uh, do we have a choice? Like, the, the, the White Sox don't really let go of managers until it gets to be a toxic situation. And, you know, Renteria, you know, while this is certainly a, a thing that will haunt him, I think, or at least follow him, I don't think he seems haunted. I think he's kind of realizes he's in a no-win situation as long as Ozzy is hovering on the post-game show. That he's <laughs> never going to be really a fan favorite, and he just has, you know, it is, uh, that, that's just the situation he has to deal with, and so he just has to be personally content with his decisions and, and, and look to enlighten himself that way. Uh, I, I look at it like he's not a bad manager. He's maybe not a good manager. He's, yeah, I think he's middle tier. Like, even if whatever reason – the White Sox can't get over the hump with him in the postseason. He can be hired by a team looking to rebuild. Like I think he's proven himself to be a manager in one respect. And when it comes to like managers in, in the big picture, I mean, Ned Yost was the analytic sabermetric laughingstock until he went to the World Series two years in a row. And he also had like a wild card game where he almost managed himself out of it by being too rigid with bullpen assignments and not calling in his best arms for the, the, the tightest situations. And in that case, his offense bailed him out, like uh, you know, in that game against Oakland uh, that, that basically turned the Royals into the Royals that eventually won the title. Uh, the White Sox offense could have done the same for Renteria, and then maybe he goes in the next round learning something. Maybe the pitching depth is so thin that there's nothing to learn except for hope we're lucky. But uh, I think he does enough right, and he has the team working hard enough for him. He played the guys he needed to play. He's not somebody who doghouses a talented player and, and forces the team to get rid of him. For the time being, I, I think he's good enough to uh, give him a chance to learn what he learned from contending for the first time in his career. Uh, this is the first time he had a roster that actually had enough to win with, and they won enough to get in the postseason. So I would consider that like a step, and now he has to make another step and hope that the roster allows him to make that step. But given that the White Sox don't really change managers, and when they do, they don't necessarily hire proven solutions. They're more, you know, just, you know, Ozzy was a uh, was a choice from another team's coaching staff that never had a manager's job before, and he did a great job. Robin Ventura, hired off a couch, did not do a great job. So it's kind of a crapshoot that way. So for the time being, you know, what we know about Renteria, he's good enough for a lot of the important stuff a manager does, and now we'll see, you know, I think it's, he deserves a shot to see if he learns from uh, contending for the first time and being in postseason baseball for the first time. I think you're ultimately right. He's going to get it whether we want it to or not. We look forward. Thank you for joining us, Jim. Thank you for, thank you for bringing Soggy Bottom to the baseball talk. You're so desperately needed. <laughs> and we look forward to talking to you throughout the offseason and next season. Thanks again for your time. No, all of that is my pleasure. All right, thank you. That's Jim Margala, Sox Machine. And uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we have, um, you know, we have to do, we have next hour, we have Nancy Armour of USA Today. She'll be talking bears with us. And we also need to do what are you doing, Wagner. So I have some items for that, Mark. And then we might have Nancy as our guest. And then we'll see where we go from there. And we can talk Cubs. Steve, that sounds up. great. That sounds great. Yep, yep, love it. Okay, all right. And even if it doesn't, and even if it sucks, well, we're very on brand if that's the case. So that's what we're here for. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Saturday Suckage. Thanks for listening. Um, much to your chagrin, 
Uh, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.